Good morning. Good morning. Whoa. Oh, good morning, church. How are you? Are you well? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Has anyone seen that movie, The Da Vinci Code? Has anyone seen the movie? You have seen it? That heretical. Yeah, anyway. Um, well, uh, like, there's this guy, you know, in that movie, there's that guy who's like, kind of whips himself to kind of try and pay for his sins, you know. I'm such a worm, I'm a, you know, and there's this kind of crazy idea going on that you have to kind of pay for it. Well, guess what? We've got some good news for that guy. No, he's a character. But we've got some good news for ourselves this morning. We don't have to pay anything at all. (laughs) It's all done. It's all done. That's the good news. We get to celebrate it instead. We get to celebrate that and joy, knowing just exactly what God has done for us. Because we all know our own stories. We know what God has saved us from. And we get to celebrate all of that. So are you ready to celebrate? Come on. playing the wrong song. <laughs> that didn't sound right. <laughs> Look at the wrong chat. Same chords, different order. We're reaching out. Reaching out to welcome you, God. Fill this place again with your song. Flood our thoughts with wonder and awe. Give us a greater glimpse of a never changing God. To all we want and all we need. Praise you, Lord. To all we want and all we need. It's found in Let's declare that this morning. 
today. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lance. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and worship so freely. And Lord, my mind straight away is drawn to uh, people, particularly on the other side of the world at the moment, Christians, who are suffering immense persecution. And so, Father, we lift them to you. I ask that they would know your grace, that they would know your strength, that you would empower them. Father, today we remember them as brothers and sisters. We remember them as our brothers and sisters in faith. And Lord, I ask that your hand would really be on them. In Jesus' name, Father, for us here, I pray that our hearts would be attuned to you, that our hearts would be open to you, that we would be on the front foot of obedience and we would allow you to work in our lives. Holy Spirit, you're most welcome in this place. And as you speak this morning, and I pray that each one of us would hear you speak. I pray that we would be quick to engage with you, that we would, we would be quick to engage uh, with you and to say yes, really. Father, we pray for the leaders of our city, for the nation. Father, that they will make wise, godly decisions as they lead us. So we declare your blessing on today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say hello to three or four people before you sit down. Introduce yourself if you don't know them.
Well, if you're a Kiwi, the day started all right, didn't it? If you're following the America's Cup, we've made a good start, I believe. So that's good. Outstanding. Welcome. It's great to have you here this morning. If you're visiting with us today, I pray that you can relax, you can enjoy yourself, that you feel uh, comfortable with us. Can I invite you as you leave after the gathering, there's a table at the back and it's some white bags. There'll be someone there then as well uh, with some white bags. And there's information there about who we are as a church and where we're going. Please uh, take one of those. And also in there, there's a card. You can get a free coffee afterwards. And um, if you'd like to leave us your details, that would be great. We would like to help you in your faith journey any way we possibly can. So thank you for being with us today. That's wonderful. Has anyone had a birthday or a celebration in the last week? Celebration as in wedding anniversary? Oh, very good. Very good. Oh, look, two. Come on. Two birthdays. Birthdays. Fantastic. Happy birthday. Only the two this morning? Gets really quiet in the winter, doesn't it? It does. But you'll feel all the more special. Do you want to stand up? Church, let's pray. Let's declare God's blessing over these guys in Jesus' name. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great year. Well, next weekend is School of the Spirit. Have you got your rego in? Yeah? I think there are still some spaces there. So you need to get your rego in. It is the last day today to get your rego in. School of the Spirit, from the people I speak to that have been there, has been a life-changing event for them. So I encourage you to make sure you sign up today. All these forms are out in the, order, uh, out in the um, foyer. Make sure you get your registration in. It will be a great time and we would love you to be part of it. So that'll be great. Also, just so you know, on the 2nd of July, baptisms uh, throughout all the, the whole day. Um, we'll do whatever we need to do. We want to baptise you. In the, in the scripture, baptism happened directly after people gave their lives to Christ. They didn't wait years. They didn't wait until they found this perfection that you're never going to find, by the way. They, um, they gave their lives to Christ and then they got baptised. And if you haven't been baptised, actually in many countries around the world, you're not even considered a Christian if you haven't been baptised because that's where the rubber meets the road. And um, so if you haven't been baptised in water, you need to be baptised in water. It's biblical. And uh, it's biblical. In Hebrews, I've been absolutely captivated by Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 over recent times. And, you know, in there it talks about the children of Israel, how they never found the rest of God because they hardened their hearts to him and they weren't obedient to him. And then it carries on today and, it, and, to today and it says, but there's still opportunity for you to enter into God's rest on a day and that day is called today. I love it in the Passion Translation. It says that day is called today. And so there's this continual process that goes against the human grain of us responding to God and doing what he's asked us to do. And baptism is one of those things. That Hebrews 3 and 4 goes on further and it says, actually, it says if there is um, sin or evilness in your heart, if you're harboring it, it will cause you 
<clears throat> excuse me, to be unresponsive to the living God. Interesting, isn't it? And the end result of that is that you won't enter into his, the passion words, as the calming rest of God, which means, and what happened to the Israelites, I was reminded this morning, what happened to the Israelites after 40 years in the desert? They died. They died. That was it. They didn't, they didn't enter into anything that God had for them. And so it's quite a heavy scripture, really, isn't it? But anyway, I'm just saying that. Be obedient to God. If you've not been baptised, 2nd of July, do it. It's part of your faith journey. It's, part, it's not an optional extra. It's part of your faith journey. Very good. What else have we got here? Oh, that's right. We would really like to see some more people involved with um, in the area of music and lighting and sound in the life of the church. You see, you come in every week and it happens and you probably think it's all covered because it happens. But the truth of the matter is it's not all covered. At the moment, we've got holes everywhere. And uh, when there's holes, it kind of means we push some people further than we should be pushing them and uh, expecting too much of them. We don't want to do that. The more people in the team, the easier it is. So if you've got a passion for like sound or IT or lighting or music, um, actually these two guys here are the two people you probably need to see, Caleb and that would be a good starting place. And Luke would be a good starting place. So don't hold back. Get involved. It would be great to have you there. Gloria, would you like to come and read the psalm this morning? How about giving her a big hand as she comes? privilege of reading to you the scriptures Psalm 74, 16 to 23 this morning. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth and you made both summer and winter. See how these enemies insult you, Lord. A foolish nation has dishonoured your name. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your turtle doves. Don't forget your suffering people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be humiliated again. Instead, let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Don't overlook what your enemies have said or their growing uproar. like to come this morning we get to celebrate communion together thank you thanks hello church don't you just love that image of the cross 
on the big screen. I think that's fantastic. It's an honor to be able to give the communion talk. Um, in approaching communion today, I want to lead us briefly to visit three places. That of the atheist, the Muslim, and then some words of thankfulness. But first, a quote from a well-known gentleman. You may or may not know him. There is a deep, deep mystery at the base of the universe. You may or may not be surprised to hear that this quote comes from someone who holds no faith in Christ. These words, in fact, belong to a well-known, very public atheist and author, uh, Richard Dawkins. It shouldn't surprise us, I guess, that Richard is stating this. There are for us all, I think, pretty weighty eternal questions of the cosmos. How, why, and where does the universe exist? And perhaps even more personally, why am I here? Indeed, without God's gentle guidance and revelation, I'm left to fend for myself, to work out my brokenness and pride, all in all, a struggle to reason for the purpose of my existence. So, coming back to Richard Dawkins, as many of us know, his proud but mistaken denial of God stands in stark contrast to the Christian experience of the closeness, power and comfort of the Holy Spirit. As our helper and revealer of Christ's glory and God's purpose for our own lives. Sometimes in that's in a, a movie of glorious 4K quality. Sometimes that takes a little bit longer to work out. Secondly, the Muslim. The Muslim does believe in Christ as a prophet, but will deny his resurrection and his crucifixion. Sadly, this would be to deny Christ's sacrifice for my own sinfulness, at odds with the truth of Christ's death and resurrection, spelt out clearly in Scripture, revealed by the Holy Spirit and what we proclaim in our worship. And third, a cry out to God. The last year or so, with its high degree of worldwide uncertainty on so many different levels, proves that as human beings, well, our minds can be quite smart at times, yet we certainly have a capacity to muck up on a pretty massive scale. As we know too well, reality tells us that our own wisdom and pride can trip us up, recognising we're incomplete and incapable to demonstrate, um, sorry, incapable of finding meaning and fulfilment by ourselves. It looks like the guys are handing out communion, so that's fantastic. Um, but what, what I would ask is, Matt, if you're able to just um, play a, a tune um, that we've got. It's actually a choral piece which looks to um, heaven, and it's, it's written about heaven. So um, if you'd just like to run that, uh, Matt, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. I'd just like to finish with um, words of a, a short song. Here I am, a sinner free, pardoned by your majesty. Love has led me into liberty. Holy King upon the throne, you've made this heart your very own. I feel like the leper who's been healed. I've known a love so sweet, a saving love that brings relief, a healing love that makes the blind eye see. King of love and Prince of peace, your shepherd's love is tending me, a love that satisfies my deepest needs. Lost and dirty, yet you found me. Stained by sin, but you have cleansed me.
Can it be I'm precious in your sight? What is man and who am I? A child of God, my father's pride. What a joy to be the Lord's delight. Okay, let's now, as we approach communion, reflect on Christ crucified, yet risen healer and redeemer. We recall the words of Christ's instructions to us in the lead up to his crucifixion. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Lord God, we celebrate your ultimate perfect love as revealed through Christ's cruel, twisted and agonizing death on the cross and the mind-blowing event of his resurrection. We stand in utter confidence before you, risen Christ. Let's now draw our focus to Christ on the cross, his sacrifice for our personal wrongdoings in thought, in word, and in deed. As we eat and drink together in our own time, I invite you to reflect in profound thanks and remembrance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet, church. Let's stand to honour our, our Jesus, our God. That's why we stand. Let's stand as a family. Do that together. Praise you, Lord.
arms open wide here you save my life here I bow down here I bow down here my hope is found come on on holy ground here I bow down open wide here you save my life here I bow down here I am singing here here my hope is Worship our God this morning.
come to join the song sung long before our lives to raise our voice your faithful hand. We have seen your faithful hand. Your mercy without end. The King who bled and died. A God who sacrificed. Come on, lift your voices. To be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations, you are worthy, Lord of all. And unto you, the slain and raised king, we lift our voice with heaven, singing worthy, Lord of all. No. This life we live unto eternity and unto eternity. Our endless praise, our endless praise we cry. Jesus be glorified. All through this life, all through this life we On to eternity, our endless praise we cry. Jesus, Jesus, be glorified. Jesus, be glorified. Jesus, be glorified. Be enthroned, be enthroned upon the praises of.
sing, be enthroned. So be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. You are worthy, Lord of all. Now to you, the saint and risen king, we lift our voice with heaven, singing worthy, Lord of all. Come on, just the voices. So be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. You are worthy, Lord of all. And unto you, the slain and risen King, we lift our voice with heaven, singing worthy, Lord of all. We sing you worthy. Lord of all, yes, you are worthy, Lord of all, you are worthy, Lord of all, yeah, you are worthy, Lord of all, you are worthy, Lord. I think we've got a bit more in us yet. Worship. I think it feels to me like we kind of got the 9am dignified thing going on. You're smiling, you agree. Yeah. Revelations chapter 1. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. We could preach on that for a year. You are a priest. And glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look. He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who who always was and is still to come. The Almighty One. Jump forward a couple of verses. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Father, I pray for a revelation this morning of of Jesus in this place. For every person, every heart, we might think we know. But Father, give us a little bit more, a little bit more of a glimpse of Jesus, of who He really is, so that we can worship unabandoned before You, I pray, in Jesus' name. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across His chest. His head and His hair were white like wool and white as snow, and His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and His voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. 
But he laid his right hand on me and he said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. This is the Jesus we're worshipping. This is the Jesus. How about... I don't know, you might like to close your eyes. Can I encourage you to lift your hands, open yourself before Him. There's something in our physical posture that when we open ourselves before God physically, we also open our spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would visit every person. You would rest on every person. You'd bring revelation this morning of Jesus the great I am, the one whom we worship, the one whom we serve, the one who calls us to give our lives freely for Him. Let revelation fall in this place, I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus, for you're alive forevermore. 
And we thank you for the power and the life of your spirit that dwells within each one of us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Wow, isn't that cool? I think we should put our hands together and give thanks to God. Yeah, He's a great and mighty God. Awesome. May take a seat. Isn't it great to be in God's presence? There is just nothing like it. It is so wonderful. Well, it's a delight to be with you this morning. It's great to see you. You're doing well? Good, good. You're looking good. There's nothing like worshipping God, is it? I've got to say, Tony and Barbara, I always enjoy it when I see you in church. You're a wonderful, wonderful couple. And we thank God for you. As everybody else is wonderful, but awesome. And it's a special treat to have Wendy's mum, Nana, all the way from Masterton. So I have to be good today. <laughs> so, and if you're visiting, a special welcome to you. As followers of Jesus, we have the awesome privilege of glorifying God in all that we do. Isn't that awesome? We live for Him, and He promises to reward us as we live for Him. And no one can out-reward the Lord. No one can out-give God. No one can out-reward the Lord. And you can understand clearly to live for the glory of God when you know this very profound but simple thing. That the meaning of life, the fundamental purpose of life, it's really, really simple. We tend to forget it. But it's simply this, is to love God and love others. That's it. That's the bottom line. Love God, love others. That's the purpose. That's the meaning of life. If you're going here, I'm not quite sure what it is. That is what it is. Love God and love others. And what Jesus is really saying, it's all about quality relationships. If you have quality relationships in your life, you're going to build a great, great life. If they're not so good, it's not going to be so, so good. And there's a man by the name of Robert Waldring, and he's leading the world's longest study on what makes people happy. He's from the Harvard University in the U.S., and this study has been going for 75 years. And uh, not that he's been leading it for 75 years. There's been four directors, and he's the fourth one. And as the director gets older, they pass it on to a younger person who can carry on the study. And what they have did when they started out 75 years ago, they chose 724 uh, students <clears throat> at Harvard University and other universities, and also a small uh, group of primary school age children from disadvantaged backgrounds. And they studied these people, and they studied them, and they asked them questions year in, year out. They got all their medical records. They took blood samples. They even did brain scans on them. They've got an incredible amount of data. And also, on the side of this, um, this uh, research program, oh, there it is. <clears throat> they asked this question to millennials, those that are people that are born between 1980 and 2000, what is the goal for your life? What is the purpose for your life? 80% of all respondents, there was a lot of them, said it's to get rich. Then <clears throat> They asked another question, do you have any other goals? And they said, yes, it's to be famous. <laughs> I don't know if they meant Mr. Bean or Einstein or 
There we go. But that was their goal, to be famous. How does that suit for you? Do you know what their research found? Their research found over 75 years, going through tens of thousands of pages of documentation, there's one clear thing that leads to a happy life. One clear thing. And it's quality relationships. Quality relationships with your spouse, with your fa family, with your social connections and so forth. It didn't matter about how wealthy you were. It didn't matter about how intelligent you were. It didn't matter about how much fame you had. It was about the quality of your relationships. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that they, they didn't have conflict in their relationships, but they always knew in their relationship spheres there was one, two, three, four, or five people that always had their back. Always had their back. That led to health. And what, what they also found is that people that were in healthy relationships at age 50 were the healthiest physically at age 80. Isn't that amazing? It sounds like loving God and loving others. Quality relationships. They also found those that were in the best relationships at 50, not only were they physically healthiest at 80, their brain scans were the healthiest as well. Isn't that awesome? So relationships are vital. We're involved in all sorts of relationships in all aspects of our lives. And one of the relationships I want to look at today is the relationship of leadership. The relationship of leadership in our lives. And so I want to encourage us all to take the next step. God has a next step for all of us. God has a next step for Pastor Rex. He's been here for a long time, but God has another step for him. God has another step for Jeremy and Amanda. God has another step for Eric. God has another step for Gary. God has another step for Matt and Robin. God has another step for every one of us. And he wants us to do it really well. And he wants us to do it in the context of quality relationships. That's where we find purpose. That's where we find joy. And so <clears throat> I want to encourage you today as you go away thinking, what is the next step God wants me to take? What is the next step I need to take in marriage, family, your work, in our city, in our church, and beyond? And if we apply this, this will fill us with fresh sense of purpose as we serve God. Isn't that cool? Very, very cool. And I, I want to build on, several weeks ago, we had the School of Leadership. Who was at the School of Leadership? Great. It was a fantastic time. It ran for four weeks. <clears throat> We're starting another one uh, on the 11th of July. And if you weren't at the first one, that's no problem. I encourage you to come along because this focuses on understanding your personality type. And it's going to be a time of equipping and empowering. It's going to be fantastic. So let's look at the scripture. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. Do you know God has a book written about your life? Isn't that awesome? I wonder if it's really thin for Pastor Sheridan. <laughs> I'm just joking there. I'm sure it's really, really, 
really fat and really, really big. God has a book for each one of us. And God, I reckon, this is just my thought, I don't know this for sure, but I'd imagine God has a big library. I like libraries, and I wonder if God has a library like that in heaven. I guess we'll find out one day. I've said, Lord, if you do, can I please have the keys to the library? <laughs> I want the keys to the library in heaven because I love books, and I, I'll be spending time there with a coffee and a nice book. And, and uh, Sheridan won't be able to cope with that too well, but he, he'll know where I am. Sheridan will be at the movies. I'll be in the library. But God has a book with your life written in it. Some of you might be worried and thinking, has God got all the wrong things I've ever done recorded in that? No. In his book, he has opportunities that he's planned well in advance. Sounds very much like Ephesians 2.10. Good works planned in advance for us to do. This book is filled with opportunities that God has planned for you to take the next step to step into the plans and purposes that God has for your life. Isn't that exciting? And the good news is when we do things wrong, we can come before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. And he takes the precious blood of Jesus and just wipes out those things of our failings. And so that book is not a book to judge us for what we've done wrong. It's a book to celebrate how God has worked through our lives. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that. So <clears throat> very cool. Every day is laid out before us. So this morning I want to look at what is biblical leadership and how do I express it? And I want to start off with a story of a guy who, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but has ex expressed great leadership. And here he is. His name is Sam Johnson. Does anybody know who he is? He started the Student Volunteer Army in Christchurch after the earthquakes. 21 years of age, when the first earthquake hit, he put a post out on Facebook and said, hey, we need to do something to help our city. So initially he had 250 students and they got out there and they started shoveling the um, soil that came from the liquefaction, as you can see on the right-hand side. At their biggest, um, on their biggest days, there were over 13,000 students out there every day in Christchurch making a difference. Isn't that awesome? What he did, he said, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to make a difference. And God has a next step for every one of us. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to make a difference. And I think, Sam, I don't know whether he's a Christian or not, but he travels around the world speaking about establishing student volunteer armies or relief. Uh, he's met presidents. He's, uh, Hillary Clinton was here in 2010. He met her. Uh, has met Prince William when he was here as well. It's been amazing. <clears throat> so this is what I think biblical leadership is. It's not a red pencil. It does look good though, doesn't it? It looks pretty sharp. But biblical leadership means I take action. I step out. I stand up. I'm going to make a difference. It also means to be intentionally influential. I'm going to use my influence for good. That's biblical leadership. So I'm going to step up, 
and I'm going to use my influence to bring good. This is what leadership isn't. In the times of Egypt, when Abraham was walking around in the Middle East, and if he went to Egypt, and you can still see them today, of course, uh, these pyramids. This is one of a number. These are big structures, and they're trying to give the people a message. And the message is this. Power is held by the few to be over the many. Power is to be held by the few over the many. And they build these big structures to express that. Also, in Mesopotamia, the same sort of structure, the ziggurats, which are temples, which scholars believe this sort of structure is what the Tower of Babel looked like, obviously a lot higher. These structures are about power. It's held by the few to be exercised over the many. But is that what biblical leadership is like? Not at all. When you go into Israel, you won't see a pyramid. You won't see big buildings like that. It is not in their imagery. It's not in the way that they think about leadership. This is how they think. And what's really interesting is Pastor Sheridan read it out this morning in Revelations chapter 1. And it's this. It's a lampstand. And that's a symbol. That's a famous symbol. If we were growing up around the times of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the the 12 tribes of Israel... This is a famous symbol to Jewish people, to Hebrew people. It's the lampstand. It was found in the tabernacle. It's referenced in the book of Revelations in chapter 1, as Sheridan read this morning. And where it was placed, it was placed in a certain position called the holy place. And there it was lit, these candles, and it's giving light, if you like, light into the soul of a man, a soul of a person. Christ himself being the light of the world. It also represents the seven churches that uh, Sheridan just mentioned. But this symbol is a very important one for leadership. And this is what it's saying. That leadership is not the power of a few over many. Leadership lifts up and releases others. Leadership is found in the base that releases. Leadership is found in the base that honors others. That is what biblical leadership is. And that's a picture of it. And so if you want to carry the light of Jesus through leadership, it's found in honoring others, not trying to exercise power over others. Isn't that cool? So this is what Jesus said about it. But Jesus called them together and said, you know what? The rulers of this world lorded over their people and officials affluent their authority of those under them. One of the things in our workplaces, and we... We work in all different places throughout the week, which is really, really cool. Some of us are in places of significant leadership. Some of us are in places of not so significant. It doesn't matter. We are all influencing, and we all have the opportunity to step up and act and do good, don't we? It doesn't matter where we are. We all have the opportunity to take the next step, the next opportunity that God has for us. And Jesus said to do that well, he gives authority. And authority is not to be lauded, but authority is to be used to lift up and release others. And that's got to be good news. Carries on and says, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you first must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Even for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So we've talked about these definitions here. So how do you express biblical leadership? The first part is taking responsibility. Who knows we live in a pretty entitled society? People are entitled. They want this, they want that, they believe they deserve this, they believe that they deserve that. And I think it's a real, real problem for our society speaking generally. But the antidote to it is taking responsibility and saying, I am responsible. I am responsible. And it's a good thing to develop, particularly amongst children and all people, whatever situation we're in, saying, I'm taking responsibility. I look at Sam Johnson in Christchurch. He saw a problem. He saw an opportunity. And he said, I'm going to be responsible. A team of 13,000 students said, I'm stepping up. I'm responsible. I'm going to be part of the solution. Isn't that good? I'm not going to be part of the problem. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to be part of the solution. And there's places in your workplace today, for sure, that it's so easy to complain. But God is saying, hey, step up. Be responsible. Take the next step in your workplace, whatever that needs to be. Take it. Be responsible. Don't develop the other mindset, or which is the one <clears throat> that will undermine responsibility, and that's complaining. God doesn't want us to be complainers. He wants us to be people that take responsibility and own it. Do you know the great thing about taking responsibility is this. You can say in my workplace, this is my opportunity to worship God. I worship God in my work. Whether it's been a teacher, whether it's been um, working in the factory, whether it's making widgets, uh, whether it's a nurse, whether it's a plumber, it's an opportunity to worship God. Every day when you go out to work tomorrow, you have the opportunity to worship God through your work. And when people look at it, do they go, wow, there's something different this person is worshipping God. I love what um, Graham Mills is doing at the moment. There's a small group. He's taking through a, a course. I'm on it. It's called Reframe. And if you do get the opportunity to go on it, I really encourage you to do so. It's really, really good. This is one of the things that one of the presenters says. God loves artists because God loves art. God loves lawyers because God loves law. God loves teachers, trainers, educators, because God loves education. God loves business people, because God loves business. <clears throat> God loves innovators, because God loves innovation. Why does God love all of these things? Because all work is meaningful, and meaningful work is an expression of worship to God. So when you go to work tomorrow... I want to encourage you to take a next step and go, this is my worship to you, Lord. Whether it's in the office, in the classroom, in the factory, I am worshipping you, Lord, in my work. You love me in my work. You love teaching because you're all about education. You love me as an artist because you love art. Isn't that cool? 
Let's step into that church. Jesus has placed you in your place of work so you can bring the kingdom of God to heaven, from heaven to earth. And to do that well, we need to see ourselves as worshippers in our workplaces. That's who God has made us to be. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, God loves my work. I'm going to pray about that right now. That'd be good. Why don't you close your eyes as we're going to pray into this. Father, I thank you for our work. And I thank you for the diversity of work that we have. Father, thank you that there are artists, there's lawyers, there's teachers, there's trainers, there's business people, there's innovators, there's doctors, there's retail workers, there's a whole spectrum. But I thank you for our places of work. And I pray tomorrow, Lord, as we go out tomorrow and the days and the weeks that follow, that, Lord, our work will be a place of worship to you, that, Lord, we glorify you in it, and we thank you, and I, we pray that heaven would come to earth, that we would represent you well in our workplaces. We would be alive with the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Isn't that good to do? Do you know the other thing that God doesn't want in the workplace, and He certainly doesn't want it in the church, is a religious mindset. Religion stinks. It kills. There's no life in it. It's a set of rules. You must do this and you must do that. And it sucks the life. God invites us into relationship. Quality relationships. There's life. There's vitality. There's freedom. That's where God wants us to be. That's how God wants you to be in your workplace. Not of a religious mindset, but of a relational mindset. One that's focused on worshipping Him through your work and one that reaches out and where you see opportunities to take the next step in your workplace, go and take it. I had a boss of mine, it was years ago, he was an Australian, and uh, he said, it was amazing, he, 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 he said one or two good things. He said, Ray, whenever you do your work, make sure you leave your fingerprints over it. What he's saying is we all have a unique fingerprint. And God wants, when we take the next step, let your fingerprint be the one that's showing the next step. That's what he was really saying to me. Let your fingerprints be over what you're doing. Exert godly influence. Exert worship influence. It will change the atmosphere of what you're doing. Just imagine going into your workplace and you're saying, I'm taking the responsibility for the next step in here. This environment is going to be more like heaven than it's ever been. Just imagine if you take responsibility for that. That's the next step I'm going to take. And maybe that is for you. And you can go there every morning. I'm going to pray and declare God's blessing over my workplace. And I'm going to declare God's blessing over my mates at work. And I'm going to declare his goodness to be seen. That's the next step I'm taking. And I'm taking responsibility for it. I'm not expecting anybody else to. I'm owning it. What a difference that would make in our places. Here's what happens when we don't take responsibility. <clears throat> and it's been around for a long time. We know this story so well of Adam and Eve. God confronts Adam. Adam says it was her fault. 
Eve says, it was the serpents who deceived me. And the story of Cain and Abel, Cain, we know, kills Abel. God confronts Cain, and Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? Leadership begins, the next step in your journey, the next step that God has for you in the book written in your life is about taking responsibility, stepping up, stepping out to bring God's goodness. And isn't that awesome? We have the opportunity to do that. Good works that God has planned in advance for us to do. Here's what happens when you don't take responsibility. You disempower yourself and you give the power to somebody else. And when it doesn't quite happen the way that you you want it to work out, the first thing a person who doesn't take responsibility says, well, it's your fault. This happened because you didn't do what you should have done. Where a person who takes responsibility says, I will work to find a solution. What's happened has happened, but I'm going to be solution-orientated and solution-focused. Here's what it says of Daniel. I love this in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. And then the other administrators and high um, officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, listen to this, always responsible and completely trustworthy. Isn't that awesome? In Galatians 6, 5 it says, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. And here's the amazing thing. I am not saying that I'm responsible working independent from God. I'm saying I'm responsible with Christ working through me. I hope you can hear that this morning. I don't want you thinking, if it's going to be, it's up to me. No. If it's going to be, it's God through me. It's a very different attitude. And that's what biblical responsibility is about, is working with God. And you know, the good thing is we express our responsibility through serving others. Isn't that cool? When you serve another person in your workplace, doing your work as you worship God, you determine how you'll serve. You'll determine how much time you will give to what you're doing. You'll determine um, the giftedness, the skills that you bring to it. You'll determine how much passion you sow into that thing because you're choosing to serve. That's the beauty about serving. You choose the terms on how you serve. And God invites us to serve Him in the work that we're doing with passion and joy and partnering with the Holy Spirit. This is what Martin Luther King said. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. Isn't that cool? And so a servant mentality is taking the attitude, I am responsible. I'm expressing responsibility. And you get to choose how you express, express that. Here's the other things that leaders do. They work with others. No one leader, no one person has all the capacity to do all the work by themselves. There's only two times in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, where it says it is not good. The first time is in Genesis 2.18 where God says it is not good for a man to be alone. The second time is in Exodus <clears throat> excuse me, 18, 17, where Jethro sees Moses leading alone and says, what you're doing is not good. 
The only two times not good is in the first five books of the Bible. And we're not designed to live alone. And we're not designed to work alone. We're not designed to lead alone. And so I want to encourage you, what are you doing in your workplaces to build collaboration, the sense of teamwork? Because biblical leadership is about teamwork. It's all about building team, releasing team, multiplying team. Even Jesus worked with team. The apostle Paul worked with team. And of course, Jethro was saying to Moses, if you carry on without building team around you, you're going to kill yourself. Moses learns to spread the load, and things become a lot, lot easier for him. One of the things that I enjoy about team, and uh, people that are familiar on a weekly basis with me, know I talk about V8 teams. I want our teams at church to be V8. They do go vroom. And uh, I want to encourage you in your workplace, for you to be part of a V8 team. You take a next step and go, I'm going to be V8 at my place of work. What do I like about V8s? They look good. And it doesn't matter really with the Holdens or Fords. I'm sorry for the Holdens or Fords, guys. But V8s look good. They sound good. They run good. They smell good. They're just good. And God, I want to encourage you that God is fine with our teams being V8 teams. Leadership is all about team. And do you know in the Bible, there's actually no one style of leadership? Leaders work with others who are strong, where they are weak. They're not threatened by them, but they're enlarged by them. Taking the V8 uh, theme a little bit further too, what about having a V8 marriage? Wouldn't that be good? What about having a V8 family? That's good. That sounds good. That looks good. What about having a V8 relationship with God? Wow. I, I think, who thinks God is into cars? Some of you are not too sure. I reckon, I could be wrong, but I reckon there's racetracks in heaven. Sheridan, I mean, yeah, at Sheridan's place, on the roof of his place. I just hope he's got some guardrails, because when I'm up there with him, I just want to make sure they stay on the track and don't go off the edge. So working with others is really, really key. Working with clear vision is a key. And that opening scripture, the Lord has a book written for us, the plans and purposes. The fundamental one is to love God and love others. And God invites us into this, this journey with him that he can download vision into our heart that we can live and work out and really feel we're in the groove where God wants us to be. I've shared this story before. I used to work in the plastics industry, senior management there, and over three or four years, I became increasingly more and more frustrated in my work. But I loved my boss. I enjoyed the staff that I was working with. The work was technically demanding. Uh, It was, in many ways, a dream job, and the pay was good. It was really good. But over a period of time, I was becoming more and more and more frustrated uh, until one day I closed the door of my office to Wendy and I said this to her. I said, I'm never going back. She said, you can't do that. 
How are we going to get bread on the table and pay the mortgage? Okay, I'll have to go back. But I didn't want to. And I would never advise anybody just to walk out of their job, but that's how I felt. Not only did I feel like that, I was becoming um, so stressed with it. I went and saw my doctor because I was having an officeal spasm where I was having all this pain down my chest. And my doctor said, you are under an immense amount of stress. And I thought, wow, I'm going to have to do something. Around that time, Pastor Nick said, can we have a coffee? I said, oh, okay, we can have a coffee. And we talked about the call of God and about serving in the church. The moment I said yes, and there was a number of conversations, that stress instantly left me, completely lifted. And I've never had it since. Isn't that amazing? And God was positioning me for where he wanted me to be. Where is God positioning you? Maybe you're in the right place. That is great. Be the best you can. Be the very best teacher, lecturer, tutor you possibly can be. Be the very best mechanic you can possibly be. Seed is worship to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Here's the thing. Before Moses could lead, he had the experience of the vision at the burning bush. There he was told the task to lead people from slavery to freedom. He had a destination, a land flowing with milk and honey. He had a double challenge, though. He had to persuade the Egyptians to let the people go, and then for the Israelites, for them to get to go. Proverbs 29.18 says, Without a vision, the people perish. We need a dream. Joseph dreamed dream. Joseph saw a ladder into heaven. Vision gives us dignity as image bearers of God. It really, really does. So here's what I want to finish up with. I know time's gone on. Can I encourage you to be intentional about building relationships bound, sorry, based on sound biblical leadership principles? The fundamental purpose is to love God and love one another. Jesus is saying build quality relationships. Build quality relationships. Be intentional about today. We don't live in yesterday. Focus on being a yes today person. Yes, what is the next step that God is saying to me? I'm walking into that. And finally, live empowered by God's Spirit. We don't do this journey alone. We can only do it through God's power. So I encourage you as you go out into your workplace tomorrow, what is that next step that you need to do to act, to influence with godly leadership as you express your worship before God and be Jesus to those around you? Have a great week loving those people around you, being Jesus to them. God bless you and thank you very much. Thank you, Ray. It's great, eh? Get some helpful stuff in there. Fantastic. Would you like to stand? I'm going to pray for you. We're going to go into our week well and truly armed after that, encouraged. Thank you for being purposed in your giving. I remind you that the... uh, Giving stations are on your left on the way out. Also, don't forget to get your faith promise slips in. Um, that would be really good so we can work out where we're going there. And the other thing is, make sure, please, you sign up for School of the Spirit. 
today is your last chance. It's going to be a fantastic time. And it's for you. That's who it's for. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can come and celebrate you together. I thank you that uh, things have been spoken today under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that will have planted seeds in each one of our lives. And Father, I pray that we'd start to see a difference even from tomorrow in those. That wherever we are and whenever we're there, we would be like Jesus. And that the people around us would benefit because we're there. Father, I pray too that you would fill every person with courage. That when we get the opportunity, we would be quick to talk to people about you and about the difference that you've made in our world. that would see heaven populated. And I even ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lay people on our minds, our hearts now, that you'd have us speak to. So Father, we surrender this next week to you and we walk into it with great anticipation of what you're going to do and how you're going to use us. Let your blessing rest on your church. I bless your church with great health. I bless your church with great relationships and I bless your church with all the resources required to do what you've asked us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming out this morning. Have a great afternoon and great week. Are you hurt?